This is the HuffPost Love and Sex Podcast. Each episode, we ask a single question. To find the answers, we speak with experts and listeners like you. This podcast contains explicit content. Please proceed with caution. I'm Noah Michelson. And I'm Karina Kolodny. This week's question is, what's it like to go through life with no interest in having sex? It's something that's not really talked about in society or even really in the LGBT community. So it, I never really realized for me that it was an option. You know, I just kind of was like, oh, like, of course, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to have sex and I'm going to have kids and I'm going to get married and I'm going to do all of these things. And I never really thought of there being a choice outside of that. And once I kind of was like, oh, wow, no, like, this is a valid identity and I, I can and this can be who I am. It, it kind of took a lot of that like anxiety and a lot of that like shame away. That's Christy. We met her during the production of our virginity episode. She identifies as asexual, or ace as it's known within the community, and is the person who inspired this episode. When I listen back to that interview, what strikes me is how alone she felt when she was coming to terms with her identity. Unfortunately, we've witnessed this so many times from people who are struggling with different identities or fetishes where they think they're the only person in the world who's going through this. But they're not, which is why we need to talk about it more. I think especially with asexuality, too, the really difficult part of it is that we've sort of come to a place now where people know what a gay person is. They know what a trans person is. Um, but I think a lot of people still don't know what an asexual person is. Or even worse, they don't think it's a valid identity. I have friends who are queer and are progressive. And we've talked about this. And they've said to me, asexuality isn't a thing. That's not real. Um, they sh- and they definitely shouldn't be part of the queer community. And I'm just floored by that. Um, but I think it's I think it's because people just don't know about it and they don't know what it means or, or how how people live their lives that way. The issue here is that asexuality is underrepresented in both sex research and in popular culture. But we have some really great conversations to share with you. During this episode, you'll hear from a leading sex researcher, the woman who founded Aces NYC and the Aces Wild YouTube channel, as well as from Joseph from Florida, who has recently come out as asexual. Let's begin with Joseph. So I basically found out, I was exploring my options when I was coming out. And one of my options was essentially asexual because I was in high school and I felt no attraction to anybody, but I seen everybody else with somebody. So I was exploring whether I was bisexual, straight, gay. And then anytime asexual would come up, I'd either get told, no, that's not a thing or no, you just haven't met the right person. So that led me to just put that one away until I accepted that I was gay. And then I started exploring my options once again. I still, I find people very attractive. It's just, I don't have any desire to have sex with them. It's like I have, to me, it seems like I have zero sex drive. I think the biggest disconnect is a mix of both because it's, why wouldn't you want to have sex? Oh, it's so great. And then it's, but why would you be with someone if you can't, if you don't want to have sex with them? It's explaining that I still have feelings for this person. I'm still in love with them. However, I'm not, I don't have any feelings of, I don't have any sex drives to do that with them. 
you know, Karina, what I found really interesting talking to Joseph is this idea of asexuality as an identity. And I think sometimes people think asexuality is like the lack of an identity, um, but that's not true. And, and it was interesting to thinking about him coming out as gay at one point and then having to come out again as asexual and, and telling people. And I think, like we talked about earlier, when you come out as asexual, there's no framework for people to sort of understand what that means. There's no after-school specials on how to handle it or what to say. Exactly. There's no Cosmo interviews. There's no MTV you know, shows about it. There's nothing really. There's getting to be more. And I think you know, doing a show about it like we're doing is a step in the right direction. But for people like Joseph they have to come out all the time and then when they come out they have to explain what that means and they have to deal with people saying oh is that even a real thing you know how how do you live your life but i also love this idea too of separating love from sex and i think we talk about that all the time in popular culture that love isn't sex and sex isn't love and this thing but i think that's a, a really key thing that people have a hard time understanding is if you're asexual and you don't want to have sex with someone you have no sexual desire for other people you can still find people attractive and you can still be in love with people and you can still have romantic relationships. So I think there are all these little tiny like atomic bombs that go off in people's heads when they first find out about asexuality. But then when they learn the different components of it, it it's even trickier, I think. Yeah, I think that's kind of what Joseph articulated. Right. And as we mentioned, asexuality isn't only underrepresented in popular culture, but also in sex research. However, there is one person who's leading the charge. Anthony Bogart is the author of Understanding Asexuality, and he's the professor of health sciences and psychology at Brock University. I became fascinated by the subject matter in part because it allowed us to understand this understudied group, but it also allowed us to understand better the nature of sexuality, and that's in part why I became fascinated by it, too. Talk to me about asexuality. Is it a sexual orientation? How does it compare to other orientations like heterosexuality or homosexuality? Yeah, um, those are good questions. Um, Well, first of all, the reason why I kind of construe it and others are construing it as um, one of four main categories of sexual orientation is because sexual orientation is all about one's sexual attractions. Um, Whether we're attracted to the same sex homosexuality, where they're attracted to the other sex, heterosexuality, or attracted to both sexes, bisexuality. Sexual attraction is the core element of what defines sexual orientation. And therefore, if you lack sexual attraction for others, then you can understand asexuality within a sexual orientation framework. Okay, I get that. Asexuality is an identity defined by a lack of sexual desire, which really isn't that different in some ways from hetero or homosexuality. For instance, since I'm gay, I lack a desire for women. Another myth is that asexuality is the result of some sort of medical condition. And in terms of the issue of, of, of is this basically a, a health issue, is this a mental health issue, is this basically an absence of sexuality, that you know, we construe it in a in a way that is well. It's not really a, a sexual orientation per se. It's more just to do with some kind of medical condition, and and that's certainly been put forward as an alternative view. And um, there probably are biological uh, contributions to um, asexuality. Uh, just like there are biological contributions to traditional sexual orientations. Um, 
But I think that ultimately it's better construed um, as a sexual orientation for a number of different reasons. And one, as I just suggested, if you can understand this theoretically as a lack of sexual attraction, that it's understandable as a sexual orientation. And also there's evidence that, um, you know, from a medical health standpoint, there's not much evidence that, um, for example, asexual people who self-identify as such are are necessarily distressed by the uh, lack of sexuality or the lack of sexual interest or lack of sexual attraction to others. And therefore, that's probably a main criterion that we should be using and thinking about when we're thinking about some kind of mental or health disorder. This is a point I really want to drive home. If you're not distressed, it's not a problem. I think a lot of people are going to assume this is something that can be fixed, but it's not a disorder and it shouldn't be treated like one. Now, that being said, the language still gets tricky because I feel like a lot of people are distressed, but that comes from not living in a society that acknowledges and accepts them as opposed to being in some deep internal anguish. But the truth is having sex comes with its own set of problems and issues and complications. So I'm not sure why we think it's so crazy when people aren't interested in it in the first place. You know what? Sexuality itself, although it's full of um, passion and pleasure and the main way we reproduce for people, I think, you know, that sex itself can be arguably considered a, a form of strange, even atypical um mental functioning associated with it. And therefore, we need to define sexuality perhaps in a broad way and think about all the crazy things that it, in fact, uh, engenders sometimes. And if you think about that um, in a more broad way, then maybe, you know what, a lack of sexuality is not necessarily uh, construable as a disorder. Coming up on the HuffPost Love and Sex podcast, we're going to explore the spectrum of asexuality and what it's like for ace individuals in relationships. Now we have an important question to ask you. Have you subscribed and reviewed Love and Sex on iTunes? If not, now is the perfect opportunity. 2016 is the year of sex positivity, and each subscription and review that our show receives helps it climb the iTunes charts, which spreads sex education and positivity throughout the land. Of course, you can also let us know how you feel about the show or send us a story idea or a question you might have about Love and Sex. You can do that via email at loveandsexpodcast at huffingtonpost.com. Before the break, we established that asexuality is a valid and authentic identity. However, it's important to express that asexuality is a broad spectrum, which is something that Tony articulated very well. There is some variability uh, with with one's sexual um, identifications uh, within the sort of broad spectrum of, of asexuality. Um, some people, yeah, uh, report some level of sexual interest and some level of sexual attraction, although it's very low. 
and um, and they may report that they're primarily asexual or gray a or gray asexual. And then there's individuals who um, also report that they only have uh, sexual interest within a very specific context. And that context is if they are very romantically attached to someone, then they have perhaps some level of sexual attraction for that specific individual, but their sexual attraction um, um, is not uh, broad-based in the way that average typical people, well, you know, in a romantic relationship, they'll have sexual attraction for the romantic partner, but typically they'll also have some level of romantic, some level of sexual attraction for others too, just people walking down the street or a beautiful person appears on their, on their TV screen or whatever. And it's like, oh, well, you know, there's some, someone who's pretty hot. Uh, well, for these um, demisexual people, um, there's a predominant kind of sexual interest that's only focused within the context of romantic relationships. And then, of course, there's other asexual people who don't have any sexual attraction whatsoever, even within the context of any kind of romantic relationships uh, as well. So we have to talk about perhaps the variability that exists there. All right, so Tony just laid out the spectrum. And it is a spectrum, so there's a lot of variability here. There is, and it's important to understand all of the vocabulary that goes with those variables. So identifying as asexual in most cases means that you don't have any level of sexual interest. However, there are some people who still have romantic feelings, which means they may kiss or cuddle with a partner. And there are people who don't have any romantic desire. Those who identify as gray A or gray sexual exist somewhere between asexual and sexual. So that's a whole other spectrum unto itself. Demisexual refers to people who have sexual desire, but usually only when they're deeply romantically attached to someone else. That's a quick summary. And what I think is especially exciting is that there are just so many ways to identify. There are. And I like that it challenges the old trope of love equals sex or vice versa, which, as we found, is just not the case. You know, we could talk about this all week, but let's move beyond just hypotheticals and research. And let's talk with someone who actually is asexual and can put a lot of this into context. Karina had the chance to speak with Bauer. She's a woman who founded Aces NYC, which is a meetup group, as well as the Aces Wild YouTube channel. So how exactly do you identify? I identify as asexual and pan-romantic. So can you explain to... Sure. Oh, and I'm also a cis woman. Um, That means that I am not sexually attracted to people, but I am romantically interested in people regardless of gender. I mean, the only people I had crushes on before I was out of college were were other people who were not asexual. Um, That's a definite added degree of difficulty... Um, It's a lot, or at least that one part is harder for me to work out. I felt like I had, I tried. I tried being with people who were not asexual. And I figured out that it was too much of a responsibility for me to be the only source of sexual satisfaction for the other person. That was so much responsibility. And I was like, I can't. 
my response at first was, I can't be the only person you're sleeping with. Like, if you want to do anything, please go sleep with somebody else. That is not every asexual person's response. Not everybody's comfortable with that as a concept. But I was like, I don't really see how sex is intimate. I don't understand it. That's not a way that I connect to another person. I actually feel more distance from the other person when I realize they're, like, in this other world and I'm not there with them. Right. And so I was like, sure, you can go do that with somebody else. I don't get it. Like, feel free. Right. Go ahead. And there's no jealousy or anything like that because it's just not something you want to pursue. Yeah. For Well, just for me. Right. I was like, I don't. I don't even understand how this could be intimate, so right. I don't even know how to be jealous of you. If you were like, oh, hey, remember how we were going to do this thing tomorrow? Well, actually, I'm going to ditch you and go sleep with somebody else instead. Yeah. I would be jealous. Right. But if it's like, oh, hey, like, you know, we weren't going to hang out on Saturday night, and I went and I did this other thing, and this, like, amazing thing happened with this person, and I'm going to tell you all about it, I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. That sounds fun. I'm so glad you had a good time. Um So that was what I figured out first. You know, I hadn't even thought about jealousy or how that would play into this or how jealousy plays into sexual people's lives. That's really interesting. It's so interesting because for her, she's like, I can't even fathom jealousy. And for me, I'm like, I can't even fathom not being jealous. Like, what are you doing? If my boyfriend was like, oh, I'm going to go sleep with someone else. Like, I'm just being like, okay, like, have have fun. Like, make good choices. Like, I, I can't even imagine it. The interesting thing, though, for me, my last boyfriend, he traveled a lot. Yeah. And we talked about opening up a relationship. And and for me, jealousy, it had nothing to do with sex. It had to do with the emotional components. So I never liked the idea of him waking up in the morning with someone and making them laugh. He could fuck whoever he wanted to fuck. But the idea that he would have this intimate emotional connection with someone, that's what was threatening to me. And I wonder if that, that probably obviously is still there for asexual people who aren't having sex, but they're dating, and you still worry about, oh, is this person going to like someone else more than me? So we've sort of gone down the rabbit hole, but I want to bring it back a little bit. Joseph, the young man we heard from earlier in the show, is only 19, and he's been working on coming out to the people he's close to. And before we wrap this up, I want to leave you with this insight that he shared with us. You mentioned when you initially identified as asexual that people said it wasn't really a thing or they didn't believe you. Where are you at with the process of coming out? Because it really seems like it is a kind of coming out, isn't it? It really is because you could say, oh, I'm gay. And people are like, oh, okay, I've watched TV. I've seen Will and Grace. I know what a gay guy is. But you've never seen an asexual in media at all. So when you explain that to somebody, it's just like, no, you you just haven't met the right one. Or you're just going through a phase kind of thing. And that's where I'm still sitting at with most people. What do you want people to know about who you are and how you identify? I'm very confident within who I am and what I identify as. It took me a while to get to this point, but when I did come out, it was a point of, I know who I am. I don't care who accepts it or who likes it, but you will respect it. And that's where I'm at with asexuality as well. It's, I know I don't want this, so please don't try and force it upon me. Please respect my wishes, just like I'll respect yours. I just love 
the will and grace comment because I think it shows what a huge impact having cultural role models has on people's understanding of other people's identity. Yeah. And like just even if you even if you were, you know, didn't believe in homosexuality or, or what have you, like you still know it's there because we're now starting to see it represented. And that is something that is still unfortunately lacking and hopefully will change for the asexual community. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't see an asexual sitcom anytime soon. <laughs> you know, so I just think that we have to walk away from this and say it's it's it blows my mind that there are so many different ways of being in the world. Sexual, asexual, romantic, aromantic. And I love that. I really like what you said because I think it's it's true. We all struggle to try and understand people's sexuality within our own gaze. So mm-hmm. it's like for people who are like, oh, I can't, I can't understand how you could be attracted to a man or I can't understand how you couldn't be attracted to a man. Mm-hmm. You don't have to understand it. Right. And I think that's what's so important for people to understand. And I also think, you know, not to get too kumbaya, which I feel like we're starting to, you know, sit around the campfire and get our guitar. Nothing but... wrong with kumbaya, no. <laughs> but I also think that, yeah, you don't have to understand it, but I think that we can all sort of make strides to understand each other a little bit better. And I think talking to people who aren't like you listening to shows about people who aren't like you. Um, that's why I love this show, too. That's why I feel so lucky to get to do this show. Because every two weeks, you and I are sitting down with people who aren't like us, and we're learning about them. And hopefully all of our listeners are learning about them, too. And I think that that's a really exciting thing. And hopefully we'll have lots more of that in 2016. Kumbaya, <laughs> Kumbaya. This is the perfect place to end. <laughs> that's it for this week's episode of the half post love and sex podcast a big thanks to our producer caitlin baguki and our editor nick offenberg don't forget to check out caitlin's new squarespace website at caitlinbaguki.com after you're done perusing her site, please find HuffPost Love Insects on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app and leave a review while you're there to let us know what you think of the show. If you have any feedback or ideas for a Love and Sex episode, or if you have any questions about Love and Sex, send us an email. You can reach us at lovensexpodcast at huffingtonpost.com. Or you can find us on Twitter. Our handle is at HuffPostPodcast. We'll be back in two weeks. Talk to you then. Talk to you then.